This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Support for this episode comes from Modern Football Technology. Modern Football Technology provides real-time opponent tendencies and self-scout while eliminating manual data entry into Huddle, DV Sport, and Exos. If you're tired of tools that are time-consuming to learn and perform inconsistently at best, then we recommend Modern Football for a fresh perspective. Schedule a demo today at teammofo.com to see a battle-tested tool that's proven to perform and deliver value. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use a coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. And listen to our recent episode featuring Folsom High School Defensive Coordinator Jordan Ersick to learn more about how the 2023 California State Champion uses modern football to dominate their opponents. I think you start in reverse. It starts with finish. For me, you got to go third phase first, which is attitude. And it's easy to say you want dogs and you want all this and that. But the mindset of I will not be outworked on a snap. You may beat me. You you may whip my ass on this one, but I'm not going to be deterred in the next snap. I think it's instilling a level of confidence in your players that it's all about how hard they go. Really controlled violence throughout the rep and having the desire to leave the field as the winner of the war and not necessarily the battle. Football is in Lance Zierlein's blood. He's the son of retired NFL coach Larry Zierlein and an analyst for NFL.com since 2015. His opinions on the best players in the game are highly respected across the industry. Today he joins us to shed light on the process of selecting the winner of the Joe Moore Award and shares what he has found to be characteristics of the highest performing line units in the country. Through the conversation, both the physical and mental aspects of elite offensive line play show through, and he shares the common characteristics displayed by the coaches leading these top units. There's plenty to take away from this conversation. I've been fortunate to coach many successful teams over the years, so I'm excited to tell you about Signature Championship Rings, a championship ring company who perfectly captures your winning season and fits your budget. Signature Champions specializes in fully customized rings for your high school and college teams, partnering with more than 10,000 teams across the country. What sets Signature Champions apart is the coach experience. The ring ordering process is streamlined and hassle-free with signature champions ensuring their coaches feel like MVPs every step of the way. Visit SignatureChampions.com podcast and get your team championship rings today. Use the code podcast to receive a free coach ring and ring box with your team's ring order. Link is in the show notes. And listen to our entire champion series presented by Signature Championship Rings to learn from state champion head coaches on how to take your program to the top. 
Today, we're going to dig into the process for the Joe Moore Award and how they evaluate the offensive lines. We've talked about that a little bit last week with Aaron Taylor, and our guest today is going to give us more insight on that, Lance Zierlein, who is an NFL draft analysis for NFL.com and also a morning talk show host in Houston. So, Lance, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. Love talking about it. First of all, let's talk about how you came to the Joe Moore Award. How did you end up being part of this committee that evaluates all these offensive lines? Boy, let's see. I met Aaron Taylor years ago. I think it was about 10 years ago. And then we reconnected at the senior ball. Maybe I met him about eight years ago, although I knew him certainly well before then. Reconnected at the senior bowl one year. We just we're talking a lot of ball and I just started doing NFL. I'd, I'd been doing NFL draft stuff previously on my own, but I just started writing for NFL.com doing the draft scouting reports. And we talked at the senior bowl and I just, you know, I really loved his personal story, the personal connection of the sport. And then of course, when, you know, my dad's a longtime offensive line coach. And so when he introduced me to the Joe Moore award and what he was doing, I just thought that was so special that he had such an affinity for his O-line coach and what he meant to him, not just as a coach, obviously, but more importantly, I think in developing the man and and developing a group of men. And so for me, it was a natural. I mean, I absolutely wanted to be involved in it. And so he invited me in and I gratefully accepted the opportunity. And, you know, I can honestly say in all the draft work that I do, you know, I, I write up individuals. Well, when you get to the Joe Moore Award, it's a little different because we're writing up units. And so we do pay attention to individual stuff, but it's funny. It doesn't really help me as much with my draft stuff when I'm watching the units because I want to see, you know, I'm taking a different view. And we'll get into that with, with, you know, in terms of evaluation. But, yeah, Aaron asked me to be a part of it if I'd like to be. And, you know, I felt very honored because it was a group that I was, you know, really had a lot of respect for and I wanted to earn their respect as well. And, and it's really become a, a unit that I'm, you know, very grateful to be a part of. Very grateful. Yeah, it's a unique approach to giving an award. As we talked about with Aaron, this is given to the entire group. And you guys evaluate every single team. This starts with 131 teams. And you guys are going to take a look at everyone. So it's an exhausting process that you guys go through here. But you know, shed some light on that for us. What is the process? And you mentioned a little bit about it and, and why you enjoy being a part of it. Yeah, it's a funnel, right? So we've got to start at the wide end of the funnel and work our way down as the season moves on. And, and you know, like with a funnel, it's, it stays wider uh, for a little bit longer before it really narrows down. And so that's why, you know, our process is, we get opinions on guys, but it's hard not to create a bias. If you see somebody you, you don't like as much in an early game, you have a tendency to, you know, if you're not careful, you have a tendency just to, to write them off. But if you know a team has some talent, if you know a team, when I say a team, a unit, an offensive line, if you know they have some talent, if you know they have some grit, if you know they're coming into the season with some, you know, returning starters, things like that, what it does it gives you the opportunity to go back and revisit them. And more than once, we've had to go back and revisit a team. And it's funny because 
what I love about being part of this group is someone will pull a team out of the fire and they'll say, hey, we need to go back and look at UAB. We need to go back and look at Central Michigan. Hey, I saw something on tape that I kind of liked, and I, I think we need to go back and look at them. They're playing better. Mike Golick is on some different games, and Aaron Taylor is. And so they'll see some teams in their offensive line. They'll see them later in the year, in the middle of the year, and it looks a little different. And if you know offensive line play, I mean, it's offensive line play is all about continuity, and it's about coming together as a unit. And sometimes that takes time. And there are sometimes injuries. There's sometimes a new starter here or there, a new offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach. And so, you know, our process is it's kind of like a popcorn, you know, machine where, where teams are popping all over the place. And we do have a core, you know, you can see the teams that, okay, this team's going to be in consideration down the road. But you can find that fairly quickly after two or three games. But sometimes teams will play themselves out of the award. And then sometimes teams play themselves into the award. But the thing that we take pride in is that, you know, unlike these other places that have a watch list, our watch list is all, you know, is over 130 teams. So our watch list is everybody, and we want to give everybody a shot. Now, does that mean that we watch every snap for every offensive line? No. But do we watch every offensive line? Are we giving them an opportunity to open our eyes and force us back to the tape if, for a second time? Absolutely. And that's why we're hard on ourselves because we want to get it. And Aaron Taylor, who started the award, he's probably harder on himself than anyone I've seen. He just wants everything to be perfect. But, you know, it's not a perfect process. It's a process that we continue to fine tune. Beauty sometimes is also in the eye of the beholder and the eye of the voter. And so different people have different things that, you know, that they lean on or that they look for. How have you seen this grow and, and evolve over the years? How has it changed from the beginning in, in the process and the way you guys have gone about this? Well, I think the process is we, we know each other well. We have a lot of respect for each other, and we're not afraid to step on toes if need be. I think early on, anytime you're starting off, you know, you don't want to offend somebody. You, you kind of feel bad about disagreeing with people. But over the years, that's not really a problem if you, if you have a disagreement. I mean, we're very respectful, but at the same time, we're trying to get it right. And so, uh, and Aaron does a great job of setting that tone. And so, you know, I think one of the things that, that has really helped with our process is that we're more willing to speak our minds on, even if four guys like a team, if I didn't like a unit, an offensive line unit, I'll say I wasn't as big on them. And we get on the phone and we have phone conversations. We have, you know, a text string. We have Zoom calls and Zoom meetings. And this is something where we work it out individually in conversations. And it's not, you know, it's not just an email string necessarily. We're, it's real time back and forth. It's very helpful to have one person bring up the attention, you know, to the group. Hey, you guys need to look at UCLA. The last couple of weeks, they've really done a nice job. And, and before you know it, another person will say, hey, boy, you were right about that. And, and it can gain some traction from the rest of the guys. So I think that's one thing that's really helped is that we're much better about recirculating information as the season goes on. I'll tell you, Duke Mannyweather, who does a great job, he's the one that brought up LSU's five-man protections with Joe Burrow back in 2019. And we get kind of wrapped up in, in run blocking sometimes uh, because that's the, you know, that's the grit and that's the grimy and that's the, you know, the fluidity and that's the, you know, there's so many of the check marks that, that go with the Joe Moore Award. But pass pro is a big part of it, too. And when you've got a five-man protection that can 
do the job that they did for Joe Burrow that allowed that offense to be as explosive as it was. You know, I thought Duke did a, an amazing job of, of really bringing them back out and, and bringing them to light for everyone to really take a close look. And I know for me personally, it was really eye-opening to go back and really give it a second look as the season progressed. And they were the eventual winners of the Joe Moore Award that year. So, you know, I think one of the things that's happened is we do bring up teams we do have disagreements. We are willing to go back and go to tape as a group and look. So I think the evaluation has gotten much better because we're looking at players with a process that is, I mean, it's not perfectly refined, but we certainly put the time in it takes to, to find out. And I think we know what we're looking for too. Mm-hmm. I think over the years, you know what you look for a little bit more. You know, I brought up the three processes of the block to Aaron and he loved it. And it was just something I used for myself for, you know, for offensive linemen, um, and it worked for me. So I just brought it up to him, and he really liked that. And I think, you know, sharing information with each other, I picked up so much from those guys, and it's really helped me, you know, different things, different comments from different people in my evaluations of these units. And so I think we've gotten better as evaluators over the years as well. So iron sharpens iron is ultimately, I think, the best way to to get into why I think the Joe Moore Award and our process has really moved forward. And also, you know, I think a big, a big mover of the needle for us is that it means so much to coaches. Like it's offensive line coaches get crapped on by fan bases universally. Right. Offensive linemen are the reasons for every sack that's ever been, that's ever happened in the eternity of the earth. It's, it's, it's on the offensive line. It's never on running back, tight end or quarterback or, you know, a protection call. So, I think it means a lot to offensive line coaches. That's, and it means a lot to a lot of head coaches and, and it means a lot to the offensive linemen. And just over the years when I'm reading up on a a player's bio, when I'm doing NFL draft work and I see in their bio that they were a member of a Joe Moore award semifinalist, it means a lot to that school. And I'm very proud to be a, a part of an award that is the only one given to an entire unit because that's, you know, offensive line is a brotherhood that's unlike any other unit in, in, in football. You mentioned the three phases of the block that is part of the evaluation here, the contact, power, the sustain, and the finish. Talk to us about the specifics of that and how your experience evaluating individuals really lends itself to this process. You know, one of the things I learned from my dad over the years and talking to him, he you know, he coached in college for years and years and pros, won a Super Bowl at the Steelers. And, and so we would talk about, you know, like he'd change his ideas about offensive line play over the years. They would evolve and they'd be different from college to the pros. And I think there are some things that are absolute non-starters that you have to have. Now, you may not have every one of these. And the one thing he taught me was that you got to be really good at one thing. You have to be really good at one thing to be a successful offensive lineman. But but well, not even successful to be a capable offensive lineman. There has to be one thing you do really well. And so as an evaluator of individual players, it was pretty easy for me to break down the fact that you have to get out of your snap and get into your block. And so that could be foot quickness. It could be, you know, if you're, if you've got a, a move block, if you've got a zone block, it's about getting out of your stance with the right footwork, getting to your landmark and then fitting up the block with a good balanced face and your hands where they need to be. So the first phase is about getting into the contact in an accurate way with 
balance with hands, the, the placement where they're supposed to be and the landmark where it's, you know, where it's supposed to be as well. So that's the first phase, you know, it's feet, it's hands and it's direction where you're going to be. Are you hitting your landmark? The second phase for me is literally the strain and the power. It could be, if you're a dry blocker, it's going to be the strain. It's going to be, you know, driving from those insteps, or is it going to be, are you going to be hip to hip on your double team and you're working up to the Mike linebacker? Is it going to be the second phase? Is it for you? Is it going to be when you're on the move as a, in power and you're a pulling guard and you're making contact and you're getting a kick out at the right angle? It's going to be a variety of things, but the second phase always is, and if you're an outside zone team, hey, are you just going to stay engaged and keep that guy on your shoulder? so that you can keep widening that, that angle, that, that lane, that gap for the running back to make a choice. So that's the second phase. And then the third phase is the toughest phase and that's the finish. And finish could be, it doesn't have to be pancakes. Everyone likes to think it's this over-exaggerated thing. Your finish means you are continuing to block and make effort through the whistle. So yeah, it might be putting somebody on the ground. It might just be you're latched in with your hands and you're running your feet and you're making sure that you're staying on that bull for the full eight seconds to stay sustained. So a finish can be, you know, different things for different players, but it's going to be max effort and grit all the way through the whistle. I mean, that's what a, that's what a finish is. So what I found is if you can do two of the three successfully, you're going to be a pretty good offensive lineman. And if you have enough offensive linemen doing two of those three phases successfully, if you do three phases, well, you're like Quentin Nelson. If you do two or three, well, you can be an NFL player. And if you've got two, if you've got a whole offensive line doing two of those three phases, well, or three for three, you're going to have a great chance of winning the Joe Moore award. Now that's, that's from a run blocking standpoint, but obviously in pass protection, there's some of the same elements there, but you kind of have to mix it up a little bit with, with pass broads. It's a slightly different concept in terms of how you evaluate team pass protection. Night Racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. What are you looking at then in, in the team pass protection? Obviously, we know how to evaluate these individual linemen, but again, we're looking at the whole unit here. Right. Unfortunately for the unit, I mean, an individual breaking down is going to hurt right. that unit. So our evaluation, you know, if your quarterback's getting hit a lot or getting sacked, I mean, unfortunately, one guy who is a weak link can really hurt an entire unit's ability to succeed uh, on the field and certainly succeed with our voting with Joe Moore Award. So we want a certain level of capability. You want to be able to stay mirrored as long as you can. You want to have your hands, you know, basic technique stuff. We're looking for a lot of what we look for is footwork and hands. We want to see technique, 
But the thing that makes a lot of sense for us is we want to look for team offensive line. Are you minding both gaps, the gap on your play side and the gap on your backside when you're slide protecting? Are you doing a good job with passing off twists and keeping your eyes open for incoming? Are you able to recognize blitzes and and work with clear eyes? So it's one of the most telling aspects of a team that's well-prepared is how they handle twists and how they handle blitzes. And so an offensive line has to work together because every twist and blitz package is designed to confuse an offensive lineman. But when they're not confused and they are passing guys off and they are seeing where the pressure is coming from, it is a beautiful thing. And that's certainly one of the things that I think is the most important for us because that's a true team mechanism. An individual guy can get beat by an individual rusher. But when you start dealing with games up front, that's when the team aspect really comes in and pass protection. Going back to the run game, and in the NFL, there's going to be a more standardized set of runs that you're going to see across every team. Maybe they don't all do them the same, but there's definitely the similarities. When you go to college football, mm-hmm. it's very diverse. I mean, you ha- you guys are evaluating option teams. You're evaluating outside zone teams, inside zone teams. I mean, you look at you know, one that I think is truly unique in, in a Wake Forest with the way they run their scheme and don't get Lyman downfield yet, you know, open up lanes in the in the run game with RPO. Like all these things, you see the differences in college football. So the first part of the question just is, are any of those schemes to you, do you see them lending themselves more to this idea of guys working together than others? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, so, you know, it's funny because the team that's won it back-to-back years, they run a lot mm-hmm. of duo and ISO stuff, and, and that's not as pretty. I mean, now you have a lot of guys working together. You have a lot of double teams, and you have guys working together, but it's a lot of grimy three yards and a cloud of dust type blocking. Now, they're, they're gaining more than that at Michigan, but it's not necessarily pretty. The ones that I think lend themselves best when it's done well, and it's almost an unfair advantage, is outside zone stuff because when you're moving as one at the same time boy nothing could look more unit driven than a bunch of guys with the same first two steps and everyone's out of the gates looking the exact same as one unit and they're getting in space and you see a guy on the backside cut them off or or cut them there on the back end and you see the play side tackle is riding the defensive end right out of the picture and so you've got a little lane there You've got guard, center guard kind of widening out the A and B gaps, and so you've got a wide running back with an opportunity to play in a foot and go. I mean, that's the best. I mean, to me, the one that looks the prettiest is outside zone. But we also have to work against being – at least I do. I have to work about – I have to work against being biased to that scheme because that scheme is so beautiful to me. I'm just a big fan of outside zone. But inside zone is one that takes a little more power, and – most teams do run a lot of outside-inside zone. It's not unusual to see an outside-inside zone team. As you mentioned, there's a lot of teams that are very – that will run – you know, you'll see them run inside zone, outside zone. They'll run power. I mean, most teams now are not just very scheme-specific. They're more diverse. But I do think when you're not just asking guys to go hat-on-hat and hat base block, A, it's tougher to succeed that way in today's college football – even though you can have space-driven college football rushing attacks where the box is a little bit lighter. But I think anything where you're watching guys work together is easier for us to 
make an analysis of how you are as a unit. That's just fundamentally easier when you see two players working together on a block or you see an entire unit moving as a swarm. I think it's natural to, it's pleasing to the eyes aesthetically when you see that. But I got to tell you, that's me. For other guys, you know, for guys who played the position, like, like Jeff Schwartz and Aaron Taylor, I mean, Cole Kublik, these guys love finishes. They love nasty pricks on the field. And so it's different. And that's, what I, that's one of the things that I think I really like is that I like the movement and fluidity, and I like the smoothness of block one to block two on climb-ups. They like finishes. They like to see guys who have some nasty and some grit to them and some toughness. I mean, I do too, but I'm just saying right. – you know, what we're looking for. And I think that's one of the beauties of line play is you could be a, a phase one guy. Like I, I kind of, you know, I love phase one. You could be a phase two guy where you love that grit and that sustain and that ability to, to play with contact balance. You could be a phase three guy where you just really love the finish and you love the attitude and the ability to impose your will on another team. So what you look for in one of those phases, that may be your favorite phase. But at the end of the day, you want somebody who can do all three. And so that's actually a really good question. I think, I think the better answer I could give you is which scheme is hardest to evaluate. Mm-hmm. And I think right now with all the zone read stuff, I think we want to be as balanced as we can not to take away or give too much credence to some of the running stats for zone read teams that have quarterbacks that are highly successful because – we just want to judge, did the offensive line do their job on that right. play? We don't want to penalize them too much for a quarterback pulling, running, and have a successful run. We also don't want to just give them bonus points because a quarterback ran for 45 yards because a linebacker crashed down and, and didn't, or, or linebacker didn't scrape over the top for his responsibility. I think a lot of the zone read teams and, and a lot of the teams that run that kind of misdirection where the misdirection really helps the run game that sometimes can be more challenging for us to evaluate because there's really two phases going on. And to one more point that you brought up about how varied college teams are, dotted eye teams, that's going to, the mesh points a lot different mm-hmm. than a team that rises to, runs, to run stretch out of, out of gun and offset, which rarely works. It's so hard. I don't know why anyone keeps running, you know, I'm with you. stretch plays out of the gun with, I mean, it's just, it's just not, it's very, very difficult to be successful. So it is, it's a wild ride that you can have from team to team. And sometimes within a single team that runs varied run game concepts, it can be a a pretty wild ride on, on tape. Certainly in a given afternoon, you're going to see a wide variety of running styles without question. Yeah. Well, the, the other part of that question was the wide variety of techniques and we could watch. Yeah to outside zone teams who are very good at it and you see them using different kinds of techniques and how they're teaching it and i mean there's mm-hmm. there's multiple ways to do that i think the, the fun part about this is these o-line coaches are constantly looking to innovate and evolve and hey stay ahead of the, the guys they have to block they'll all tell you like there's there's better athletes on the other side so these guys are constantly yeah. evolving but there is that variation in technique as well do you see any of those I guess biases show up, especially with some of the guys you mentioned, you know, some of the guys who played loving the finish, any of those biases show up in, in the evaluation? I think sometimes with guys who played, they'll really lock in on some technique stuff about some of the things that are being taught. But I think for the most part, your hands still need to be generally in the same place. Like there may be some differences in, in the way that 
especially in pass pro, there's a lot of differences right now. Are you an inside hand guy or an outside hand guy? You want to snatch guys up? Are you just clamper on the outside? Are you somebody who still wants to double underhook punch guy? Right. So there's a lot of the technique stuff to me can be different in pass pro. I think as a run blocker, you still need to play with balance. You still need to play with strain. You still need to play with toughness. From a technique standpoint, I don't think a lot of that changes. I think your hand placement, your footwork, we want to grade who has the best. We do care about the hands. We do care about the feet. We don't overdo it in terms of being overly critical about technique necessarily. We're still results driven, but how do you get that? We do care about process. So results obviously matter a lot, but process is equally important. And I think the process, for the most part, there may be some slight variations from a run blocking standpoint, but from a pass pro standpoint, yeah, the variations have become a little more exaggerated as more and more coaches have varying degrees of, well, the opinions have become to be a little bit more varied in terms of, especially tackles, how you're going to approach your, your pass protection. And let's face it, a lot of these passing games now in college I mean, it's a pretty shallow pocket. They get the ball out fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. The offensive line, really, you don't even have to take pro-style sets that much. You're really just playing basketball, and you're just running guys around the arc. Yeah, definitely. In shifting gears here, because we do have a coach audience, and I asked Aaron about this too, the guys who lead these units, we've had Alabama win it twice, but different offensive line coaches. Michigan's won it two years in a row with Sharon Moore, but in looking at some of these teams that are rising to the top, even just with some of the honorable mention, are there things, characteristics, traits you see in these coaches that are, are leading these units that is something for our guys to learn from? What, what are the best doing? How do they lead these units and really get them to work five as one? Oh, man, that's a great question. I think you start in reverse. It starts with finish. For me, you got to go third phase first, which is – it's attitude and it's easy to say you want dogs and you want all this and that, but the mindset of, I will not be outworked on a snap. You may beat me. You you may whip my ass on this one, but I'm not going to be deterred in the next snap. I think it's instilling a level of confidence in your players that it's all about how hard they go really controlled violence throughout the rep and having the desire to leave the field as the winner of the war and not necessarily the battle. And so that's what the, uh, that's what offensive line plays. It's a long form war that's going on and you win some individual battles, you lose some, but if you can really get guys to hyper-focus on playing with great grit and great finish, a finishing attitude, consistently thriving to finish to me, I think that's where Georgia has been so good, whether it's Sam Pittman, now Stacey Searles is there. I think Dwayne Ledford was doing a great job at NC State a few years back. There's Sharon Moore. You know, those guys finish. They consistently finish. So I would say that's the first step. If you want your offensive line to strive for that, I mean, to me, that's the mindset that you start with. And then I think, I think the second one is you really do have to get them to buy into concept of brotherhood and team. And so I had an NFL offensive lineman tell me that he wished – that the general manager and the, and the personnel guys would bring potential offensive line draft picks in for an interview. So some of the linemen could just hang out with them and figured out if he'd fit into the room because, you know, it's a click. I mean, the offensive line, they understand that they're, they're the ones who are outgunned sometime and outmanned and people want to blame them for everything. So if you can build that camaraderie off of the, that back and you get that, 
chip on their shoulder as a, as a brotherhood, I think that's when they start playing for each other. And so once you get past the finish and the, the thing I initially talked about, I think the next step you go to is getting that brotherhood connected. Once it's truly a brotherhood in your locker room where you're playing for the guy next to you, then you're going to be more likely to think about, okay, we got to really communicate on this. And if he needs help, I'm going to help him out there because a lot of times we'll see offensive linemen who they look for work and they're looking to, you know, they're smart, they're instinctive. They're looking to help out the guy that they know may have an issue if they're uncovered. So I think building that brotherhood, that's the mentality of it is the second phase. The first mentality is the toughness and trying to finish all the time. The second mentality I think is just caring as much about the guy next to you as you care about yourself. And once you do that, the rest of it, you coach it up, you know, it's technique and I'm not going to tell coaches how to do their job. They know how to do it. I do think mindset is really, Keith, I think that's the key is get to that mindset where you're all striving for the same goals, but also play to win the war. Forget the individual battles and just know that when the snap is over, that guy across from you says, man, I'm glad we're not playing them next week. Yeah, well, I appreciate the insight you've given us here in in this short period of time, everything from the scheme to the intangibles that we talked about here. I really appreciate what you guys are doing. I know coaches do too. And, you know, my hope is in in having this series with Aaron and you and some of the other guys that we'll have here in future weeks is we just really shed more light on the importance of offensive line play and give these guys some of the honors that they're due. Yeah, and we appreciate you spotlighting this. The award means a lot to us. I know it means a lot to me because it means so much to Aaron. And as a son of an offensive line coach, I mean, it just feels so good to know that there's an award for that unit and that it's really beloved inside the fraternity of football coaches and football players. I'm just really proud to be a part of it. Here are our winning edge takeaways and ideas for implementation. One. Lance talked about some schemes highlighting working together as a unit more than others. What we can learn from this is that we need to understand the type of lineman we have. If we have some of those big powerful guys like Michigan who can win mano a mano, then schemes that leave them on their own may work well at times. Most times though, we need to understand the physical strengths and weaknesses of our unit and build schemes that allow them to work together and to be able to compensate as a group for those strengths and weaknesses. He mentioned, and I agree, with outside zone being one of the schemes that highlights that the most. Ultimately, we need to determine what's right for our offensive line because that is where we will find offensive success. A segment from a clinic with Sonny Dykes, which we highlighted on the podcast, comes to mind. In an offense which has tremendous QB and receiver play, Coach Dykes still begins with the offensive line in determining what they will be best at. I'll link that one in the show notes. I also did a research and development series going through step-by-step to determine what the best scheme fit is for your offensive line. I'll link that in the show notes as well. Two, pass protection really shows how well an offensive line works together. Again, we can easily analyze an individual offensive lineman's technique, but we're playing within the context of a scheme against various defensive schemes, movements, and pressures. One-on-ones in practice are great to work technique and understand each lineman's ability, but ultimately they need to work together to protect the passer. You have to cover for a weak link. This point that Lance made certainly highlights that a good portion of our time should be spent working together to be able to give them help, pass off twists, and handle all that a defense is throwing at us. 
that also means we need to understand and give them a good plan to be able to work together to pick things up. In an episode we did on the Mushroom Society with Bob Wiley and Kyle Kasky, an NFL coach, he talks about the different plans we can put together and how to compartmentalize everything you're going to see so that you can set your guys up for success. That will be linked as well. Three, Lance pointed out two very important characteristics of the leaders, the offensive line coaches of these top units. He pointed out that the best start with finish. They display that ability to take the block through the whistle. Some line coaches like the phrase, go until the echo of the whistle, emphasizing the finish is a logical place to start. Many things can go wrong through the first two phases of the block, but it can all be righted with a hat on a hat finishing the play. The other aspect, which Aaron Taylor mentioned as well, is developing that brotherhood. For this unit, that is so critical. These guys ultimately need to lead their own culture, but the best coaches facilitate that happening. Bob Wiley is certainly a coach who's emphasized that on this podcast, and I'll link our first two episodes he did with us. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for enhanced show notes with links to related episodes, resources, articles, and with our Winning Edge takeaways detailed in text. You'll also be able to sign up there for our weekly tip sheet, which highlights the best ideas from the previous week, trending episodes, and featured resources. Thank you again for listening, and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.